This episode of the Studio Podcast is sponsored by New Wave and Chelsea Classical Studios. New Wave is a designer and producer of really awesome artist palettes and Yugo Plain Air Pochade boxes. With new products constantly on the horizon, it's run by two brothers in the Philadelphia area. Chelsea Classical Studios are archival painting supplies handmade with great patience. Hello, everybody. My name is Danny Grant. I am an artist, a drawing and painting instructor. I live in Austin, Texas, and I would like to welcome you back to the studio. This is the place where I interview and talk shop with other professional artists, and we get an inside glimpse into their daily lives as professional artists. On this episode is the great Scott Waddell. I just want to take a moment and share some thoughts about this weird, weird time we're living in before getting to the interview with Scott. How is everybody doing? Probably like most of you, I have been a bit up and down. There have certainly been the positives of having more time with my family. Some of the highlights for me have been uh, during this time, getting to cook breakfast for my wife every morning as she sets up her office at the kitchen table. And three or four times a week, I'll get up about 5 a.m. to take a walk in the neighborhood. And that has become a can't-miss event for my daughter, too. She loves taking a stroll with Dad before the sun comes up. And getting to play with her in the backyard during the middle of the day in the middle of the week in April is not something I anticipated doing, but it has been a blast I've been doing workouts through Zoom meetings with my wife in the backyard that bring me to the edge of blacking out and vomiting. So that's been both terrible and really great. Uh, Those things have been truly wonderful. But the past week or so has been kind of a tough one in my head. We've been fairly unscathed financially through this thing so far. But I did have two classes evaporate overnight. And, uh, of course, everything else has gone online, which is definitely not the way I prefer to teach. But I am thankful it's an option, and I'm thankful I've been able to learn how to use the platform. I've been using Zoom for everything, for the studios I teach with, and to meet with my private students. But I did lose one of those private students in the past week who's been with me for a little while because, of course, things have gotten tough in their household during this time. That's kind of shaken me up a little bit. Not that I had a student have to drop out. That happens. Um, People need to take a month off because of vacation or whatever all the time. But just the realization that this thing has been forced on everybody and we don't know what the future holds because of it. I was working on my painting for couple hours the other morning and what's usually a sublime experience of painting in the early morning hours before the sun comes up was significantly less than sublime. I felt guilty like I was wasting time. An artist should never feel like a painting is a waste of time, especially in my case where I don't paint eight hours a day. Between teaching and family life, I'm lucky to paint two hours a day, but I think it's the uncertainty hanging over everything that brought on that feeling. And I wonder if anyone else has felt that as well. Hopefully not, but maybe you have. So 
all we can do is focus on the things we can control and try to maximize those things and get better at those things and and try to let go of the things we can't control. But I am of the belief that as a society, we have to get going again. We have to be smart and we have to be safe. We can't dive back in like nothing's going on, but we're fully capable of looking at the data and making rational decisions that allow people to return to their livelihoods in a safe, smart way. The choice is not between the economy and people's lives. The economy is people's lives. The people who can't do their work at home on a computer matter too. And as a society, everyone in this economy is important. Everyone is vital. Every job is essential. Maybe it's not essential to some lawmaker, but it's definitely essential to the man or woman whose job it is, whose life it is. It's essential to their kids who rely on them. And you can't make it all okay with a government check. That's just not living and it's not sustainable. We can do this. There's risk involved. Of course, there's risk involved. There's always risk involved. Life is inherently risky. But we can be relatively safe and return to work. People's lives depend on that. Okay, thank you for letting me get that out. Let us now move on to my interview with Scott. Um, just real quickly, my, my plan now is to release an episode every two weeks. And to stay on schedule with that, I have a couple interviews already recorded in case I get too busy to record new interviews and keep up with that schedule. So um, unfortunately, that means a little time has passed since I recorded the interview and when you're hearing it. For example, I recorded this interview with Scott almost a month ago. Now, it's not really a big deal for the most part with the things we discuss in uh, my interviews, but of course, there's something in the news. <clears throat> if there's something in the news uh, we mention, or in this case, Scott talks about the Patreon page he's working on putting out soon, but here we are today. And I think his Patreon page has already been live for about two weeks. So there will be things like that. Uh, so I just want to put that out there and let you know what the deal is. Okay, finally, let's hear from the spectacular, the masterful, the maestro, Scott Waddell. All right, so happy to welcome Scott Waddell back to the show. Hey, Scott. How's everything? Hey, Danny. That's good. Really good. Good, good, good. It's been a long time. When was when was the last? Uh, it was the first episode you ever did, which was how many years ago? Yes, I was just thinking about that today. That's funny. Um, yes, you were the very first guest ever on this podcast, and that was in 2015. So I think it was August oh, wow. really? 2015, almost five years ago. I know. Good grief. Pretty wild. That's crazy. That is, I, I just can't even believe it's actually been five. I would have guessed three, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, I know it's pretty wild. Um, so how did we things... record? We recorded two, right? I feel like we am did. I wrong about that. We recorded one and it was, we both were like, what, what was that? Yeah, it was, right? awful. it was awful. We both felt really awful about it and we, talked... <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know who, I feel like we first, didn't even but... talk about art, right? We talked about like, movies that but we didn't have anything good to say about that we didn't have anything that was interesting whatsoever it was just a nightmare yeah i was like oh what do you what kind of music do you play in the studio you... <laughs> right and it was terrible uh, it was truly yeah terrible so 
Um, I like to think that I've gotten better at this over time. Oh, your show's awesome, honestly. Well, you know how I feel about it, but I mean, you know, I've always thought you were amazing at it, but it's become much more, I don't know, sort of, uh, I guess, polished. I don't know. I feel like you uh, expertly navigate through each episode now. Oh, well, that's, thank you. That's very high praise. I, as everyone who listens to the show realizes, um, there's been a large break in my uh, production of episodes mm -hmm. of this thing and so i'm just um getting going again here and i was looking at the itunes page for the show the other day and which and it's been months since i even looked at that and there were a couple of uh, new reviews that i hadn't seen on there before including one oh, cool and they're all i don't there aren't that many reviews there's like i don't know maybe maybe 10 or 12 total um, but they're all really positive, but there was a new one on there that was just brutal that I read oh, the other really? day. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know I can identify with that. I've had some of the worst comments ever. Uh, I'll give it this, er though. Different arenas. Like, yeah. Well, I know. When you've got how many, however many followers you have right now on Instagram, right? Hundreds of thousands? I, yeah, well, you know, to be honest, the most brutal – <laughs> well, I want to come back to your comment because I'm really excited you got a mean one. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I would say the worst ones, the ones that were the most that cut the deepest, and um, almost made me give up. Just not just art, but my life. No, I'm kidding. That's dark. Um, I'm totally kidding. Uh, but I definitely was very saddened by some of the ones I got on YouTube. That audience, oh. horrible, horrible. Yeah, like they would just pick on the way I looked, the way I talked, oh, like man. in every little part of me. And it really just like I would just find myself lingering in the mirror and just looking into my eyes, like my sad, <laughs> broken eyes, wondering what it was all about after reading some of those reviews. Yeah. Instagram's weirdly more positive. And if I get a mean one, I just like freak out and delete it and then block that person. Yeah. Perfect. Good. <laughs> well, because I just feel like I know like you're supposed to let the mean ones sit there, but they completely take over my brain. And. I can't continue on with my day. So I'm just like, all right. <laughs> I just, cause it's usually like a really, really mean thing about like somebody was saying on something about a painting I did and just said like, all the shapes are wrong. All the lighting is wrong and all the form is wrong. <laughs> I was like, that's so mean. So it's like everything, everything I try to do well, exactly. everything. everything, but they had to break it down. Sucks. Yeah. All not like I would have preferred to do well is bad. Yeah, it's all bad. Like I would have just preferred like a like a much more generalized like it sucks, you suck, but like every little thing that's on your checklist of trying to be good at is bad and I'm going to systematically break it down. So yeah, they're blocked. Good. Anyway, I'm sorry. You got a you got a mean review, so I'm excited. It I will qualify that, I guess though. It wasn't it it hurt a little bit cuz it was negative. Mm -hmm. Um but I do have to give them credit because everything they said was 100% true. Oh, don't. All right. I want to hear this. Well, it I was, doubt it was. Okay. It was because they commented on how many times I say, uh, and how much like dead. Oh, what are you supposed to do? Not say, uh, well, perfect no. delivery. Well, come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm conscious. I'm going to be I really know... defensive of you in this. Well, thank you. Thank you. But I, I you know. Yeah. So, it was so, like, so okay. So they said they said you say uh. So they were like, they counted the the times that I said uh in I don't remember a half hour. Or so something. you think that they weren't actually um 
guessing or just kind of like being hyperbolic and just like throwing a number out. They literally counted it. You they think? Said they literally said they counted, and it was four, I said uh forty times in like oh I think my. a half hour or something, and mm. that my questions were meandering, and I should uh, just mm-hmm. I should be more focused and and ask questions more succinctly than um than giving speeches in that this is the best line the best line was that my sort of unfocused approach um the guests caught caught my unfocused approach like a bad cold and then they sort of in turn gave long meandering answers so i was my poor performance was rubbing off on them that that is that's really mean but they started Um, off by saying hey these these are really important conversations but this host is awful see okay (laughs) right 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 like they're claiming some kind of ownership over it like you like your conversations are bigger than you and like they're not the ones that went through all the effort of putting this show together and building it but somehow they're claiming some kind of stake in it and that you've messed it up it's just an absurd notion because had you not done anything, the show wouldn't exist, period, and these conversations wouldn't be happening. So they should start their own. Here's my theory on this one. Yeah. Is I guarantee this is someone that knows you in real life. Oh, yeah. And they're listening right now. I oh, know that and they probably know me too. They're probably listening. Um, so I want I want their <laughs> feedback. Um, maybe, but, they'll, uh, maybe they'll leave another review after this. Uh, yeah, and then and then, then I'm going to block them. Whoever they are. <laughs> like, I have no authority to block them on your account. But... Um, but my theory is it's someone who knows you and uh mm. and you rub them in the wrong way hmm. somehow mm. and I, like uh, in my personal and, and, life we've we've had well i don't know i mean i i don't know it could be someone I, i'm gonna guess that it's someone from your times studying in new york city because you just meet a lot of people in that context and you can't curate who you're around because you're, right. you're thrust in this crucible with a lot of other personalities right. i get the sense that it's someone who knows you and found an opportunity to be critical of you anonymously in, in a public forum. So it was a win-win for them. They didn't have to be known and they could embarrass you. Mm, interesting. I bet you, I, listen, I don't know. That's what do salacious. I know? I kind of like that. Yeah. I, think, I think it's probably someone that you probably got into a debate with in some capacity <laughs> at some point and you got the better of them in that debate. <laughs> and now they get to school you. Now they got to they get to come to my doorstep online and poop well, all over my. Right. Well, we know you know why it's personal. Hmm. You know why it's someone who knows you because they counted your us. They counted the us. Ooh, yeah. Well, that's, that's the other, Yeah, the other thing that's, that's it's either like, personal I, or it's 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 I don't know. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say it's not like um, I'm not like Joe Rogan. Like I don't have millions of of um listeners and episodes and you know what i mean like what do you expect you mean like from the experience point of view like right is that what you're saying yes and like he says all all the time i mean he's just talking that's the that's the nature of this format well whoever whoever would be a super polished presenter then um yeah no i know what you mean i know what you mean like yeah i mean these people there are people that are just logging tens of thousands of hours right and uh, and, talking professionally yes and i'm I've never, never once presented myself as a professional uh, podcaster or, I mean, not, I tell people that I have a podcast, but anyway, I, you know, it's good because 
it'll push me to be better, which I need to be better. If you're going to mm. do something, you know, do it better. But there are other comments that are like, uh, there's another one that says, that does say, hey, this is like not very polished, but they go mm. on to say that they like that about it. That it, yeah, feel, yeah. You know, it makes it makes it feel more genuine and, and that that I'm being thoughtful and things like that. So, well, we also seem to be in the first of all, I, th I you know, I admire your, your uh, way of handling it. And I think sort of incorporating that into a way of kind of improving the content you make, even yeah. though I don't agree with their take on it at all. Um, I, uh, I think that's really a good response. I don't have that in common with you at all. Clearly. <laughs> I, uh, I don't react well to any of that because I don't know, there was this, this, this whole notion of having a thick skin and we're sort of taking criticism, Yeah, you know, and, uh, a real failure on my part that never happened. <laughs> like I have a very hard time um, hearing that sort of thing. And part of it is I feel like I'm just so intensely hard on myself mm -hmm. that if someone throws their weight on that, I just collapse. Um, and, uh, and that's not good. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not advocating my, uh, my take on it, but still you, I, I think that's good. But I, you know, I think that it, and in fact, it kind of connects whether we get to this or not, it kind of connects to kind of, um, a direction I'm going with some of the content I'm making uh -huh. because very different than yours, obviously for those of um, your listeners who maybe, maybe haven't seen my content, I don't do a podcast, but I make a lot of art tutorials mm -hmm. and over the last 10 years, they've been very scripted, very, uh, sort of meticulously planned and outlined and um, highly produced, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm moving more and more in a direction of doing less of that and making things that are a little bit more extemporaneous, me sort of talking as I work, mm -hmm. a little bit more casual. I'm going to see how it goes, but I feel like we are in this environment now where content, you know, people kind of like as this one person that you mentioned and the other review sort of preferred that kind of informal uh, sort of uh, lack of polish. Mm -hmm. I think, I think a lot of our content is more like that and people will like it that way nowadays. You think people, people I know that, generally do like that less polished approach. Right. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like conversations. I think so too. And, and I think it's something, well, I'll, I'll say this in defense of, in defense of myself, um, <laughs> <laughs> that I think that if you have this sort of rapid fire question answer thing it feels it feels canned and it feels mm -hmm. impersonal it feels not thoughtful it feels like i just have this list of questions well i've, I've listened to podcasts right. where it's like they clearly have a list of questions someone they ask the question the guest answers the question there's no follow-up they just then they move to the next question and it's clearly right. like right. okay well this is just you could have done this um you could have done this in a blog format just yeah yeah right we, and, and you can see such a yeah go uh, i don't want to cut you off but i have a great example of that um, yeah, but go, no, ahead, go ahead no i was just going to say what what's the point of doing it of of recording an audio file in yeah case exactly of, it, it should just be in a magazine or in a, a blog or something right, right exactly it doesn't have the, those kind of constraints and uh, you know i think about the contrast we're now exposed to we, we can think about a particular person, let's say, for example, uh, Sam Harris, for example, right? Mm -hmm. You might have, you know, him on his podcast where he has these long form conversations, and then you might see him go on Bill Maher where it has to fit into this five minute box. Right. And it's like, which one would you rather listen to? Which one do you feel like you're going to get more sort of insight out of? 
And so I think that uh, I, I, I certainly prefer that. And I, and I think too, it's, you know, you must have so many artists listening to your podcast, right? I mean, it's gotta be the, like 99.9% of the people listening to it. Your podcasts are, are um, people who are very likely uh, engaged in making art while they listen to your podcast. I know that right. every time I've ever listened to any episode from your series, it's been while I'm drawing or painting. Mm-hmm. And I like having something that is more conversational, that it's almost like friends in the room that are talking exactly. and that it you know, goes on for a period of time. And I think it lends itself to that. If it's highly polished and you feel like you have to kind of keep track of the beats of the moments, I think it's, it's harder to, harder to do that. Yeah. I think I, that's exactly it. I think it's, it's, I think the appeal of this style of thing is that you're hanging out with people. You're in your studio alone, um, but you get to listen to something like this and you've got, you've got friends in the studio that you're just hanging out with and you get to listen to. And, yeah. And, um, <clears throat> yeah. All right. Enough of that. Let's get to, uh, let's get to you, Scott. Um, well, where to start here? Um, I, <laughs> I do have some questions written down. They're not rapid fire. Uh, you just uh, told your... me you don't like to have these questions. <laughs> sure. All right, go ahead. <laughs> what? Okay, Scott, who's your favorite artist from history? Just kidding. Is that, are you, uh, you, can, are you, you making a joke that, question? Or is that... That, that, that was a, sort of a joke question. Um, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> um, I'll well, answer to you. I, you, okay, you, you can well, probably guess. Who do you think my favorite artist is? Well, I would say... I'm going to say Waterhouse. That's funny. So I probably would say that that's true, actually. But I think that uh, the one that I study the most and take most personal interest technique-wise, uh, technically, is Bouguereau. Yeah. But Waterhouse, like Waterhouse is the one that has spoke to me since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I just always loved Waterhouse. Like since I was like a single digit old, I've loved Waterhouse. <laughs> and uh, and um, yet I just, I, I can't in any way capture any sort of amount of the magic that I find in his paintings. So I don't even remotely attempt to paint that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, love his work so much. Yeah, no, I did. I think the reason I said that was, well, probably we've had a conversation about it before, but but I know that you like that uh, kind of storytelling and, and narrative yeah. um, and in paintings. So um, what, uh, all right, let's, this conversation has taken such a different turn in a good way <laughs> than what I had planned. Oh, for. compared to like the notes you had? Yeah. Well, yeah. now it feels weird to go back to what I have written down here. All right, let's jump into. Listen, we're trying to we're trying to bring out the criticism of that anonymous uh, critic. So I think the, I think the worse we can make this transition, the better, so that we can get their uh, their feedback. Yeah. So this is good. I know. I was going to talk about that whole thing and just pepper in as many uhs and long pauses as possible, and I probably oh, did should. not even meaning. Uh, so. Uh, uh, all right. There's this guy, and uh, uh, all right. I just want you to know that I've now caught your, uh, I've caught your meandering as like a bad cold. So <laughs> this is not my fault. Let's go. Let's go back to something that you just mentioned. This new content that mm-hmm. you are producing. Yeah, yeah. And where you said that it's a, you're taking a much more conversational approach. And yeah, just describe what what you're doing there. Yeah. So I've actually, you know, we uh, may talk about this. Um, at some point, um, but we're in, what's the date? It's like uh, March, no, April, April, 
April 3rd. Uh, 3rd, yeah, here in 2020. So we're in the middle of this whole uh, coronavirus situation. So it's kind of um, moved up some of my plans business-wise, time-wise. I was uh, moving in this direction this year, and I was thinking about kind of rolling this out sort of mid-year, but because just everything about my schedule, all of our schedules and everything has sort of changed, I'm actually – going to probably be doing this next week, I think. I don't know how that will relate to when you release this episode, but a week from now, April 3rd, okay. I'm thinking of releasing uh, basically a new Patreon page. And it's something I never really thought I would do just because I have this whole, I have this whole uh, platform on my website. My um, business right. partner, Tyler, and I have a thing called Illyrian, which is this other um, portal uh, for so how does uh, educational I, content? I should have asked you about this before, but I, I how does the Illyrian tie into your videos and things that you're doing, um, your your online tutoring? How does how do right. all these things sort of tie in together? Or are they all just sort of little separate entities? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a hard one because we don't really know the answer to that. Hmm. Um, so I stand by all of them. You know, they're all uh it's all content that i you know stand behind in terms of you know it being uh you know i hope a clear message of my technique and a sort of uh you know presentation of you know how one might sort of follow along with my technique and uh, the process i use and the concepts i utilize and so forth so uh, i think that they're all they can all be valuable in their Mm -hmm. own right but i do think they overlap in terms of uh, not specific content but the type of content you know a right. uh, great example would be p- portrait painting. The uh, the course we have on Illyrian is a portrait course, and it um, is five hours long. It spans over 26 classes. Oh, uh, wow. And then yet on my personal website, we have, you know, I have a video called the portrait course. So it's like, how many times can you use the same title? And I think it's confusing. Um, mm. And it sort of evolved organically. Um, and I'll try to make a short story here, but sure. of it here, because I don't know how interesting it is. But my friend and uh, business partner, Tyler, uh, you know, we go way back, really good friends, and he's a he's a programmer. I think he's a genius at that stuff. And it seemed really exciting that there was this opportunity for me to not just be doing things by myself and for us to kind of come up with a more robust uh, delivery system for this mm-hmm. content. Um, and it, But it took a long time to kind of put that together together because we weren't really sure how to sort of, um, I guess, uh, break down the labor, I guess, like who was going to work on what and how are we going to assemble all this because I had been so used to working on uh, projects on my own. Right. And so we ended up kind of with something over time that sort of looked like other stuff that I had made. We had other sort of uh, parts to it. Like we had me sort of treating it like a workshop where I would talk directly to the viewer and how they might follow along and set up their own painting uh, in their own studio. So it had more of that kind of personal direct instruction. Um, so the, sort of built the Illyrian into it. classes are, are, are they, they're treated like classes kind of? Yeah, that? they're, they're, yeah. Th- th- yes. They're kind of edited, like compared to my videos uh, that are on my personal website, where it's mm-hmm. like you download a two-hour video and watch this video all together. Right. Uh, the Illyrian, you sort of take it in pieces. Like you'll be like on class five, and in this class, I talk directly into the camera and I tell you how to, you know, get your drawing transferred, and you follow these specific steps and so forth. If it's in the drawing part, I give exercises. So it's definitely um, geared more to, more towards being an actual class than being, say, a tutorial. Okay. But nevertheless we sort of felt like the lines were a little blurry so over time we started thinking about how we could pivot and we were going to do this online workshop and we had been sort of moving towards having 
all the tech kind of put into it to uh, host this online workshop, like a seminar where people could attend and post their work and critiques and watching me do live demos and so forth. Right. But I think more recently and, you know, everything, everything's kind of put on hold at, at this point, but uh, we're actually thinking about separating it from my content, Scott Woodell as a brand, I guess, and me having my own website. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about doing something that has, uh, other artists and we work with other artists and maybe making some mixture of live content or pre-recorded content. Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of more and more as I get older and sort of, you know, stay in this kind of world, mm-hmm. I, this art world or this art instructional world, the, the more interested I've become in making content for other people or different kinds of content. Mm-hmm. Um, so Illyrian might become that. And then I feel like it'll just be more clear what it is in relationship to my other educational content. Mm. Um, oh, that's cool. So it could be a, just a totally different platform where you produce stuff, you produce your own stuff and as well as producing videos and instructional things from other artists. Yeah. And, and, and potentially being a bigger company and having other partners and even, you know, I wouldn't even be opposed to uh, the tech is really good. What Tyler's made is so solid. Yeah. So good. It's just ready for like a lot of content. It's ready for a lot of good content. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a bottleneck with me right now. Like, how much can I make, and how much am I making for my personal stuff? How sure. much can I make for that, and how much audience is there? Is any? I don't know. Like, this is a question for everyone listening. Do you even really want to see more of my content? Is a good question for everyone at this point. I hope. I hope the answer is yes. But is it enough to support? You know, all these many platforms. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but you know, the more the more I guess pressing thing for me is I cannot personally make that much content for that many platforms. And that's been a real problem. So, sure. and, and that actually leads me to the Patreon idea, which is one way for me to make more content is to um, essentially uh, make it in an, make it in an, uh, how am I going to say the sentence? Make it in a less formal way or less uh, post-production, I should say. Mm-hmm. And yet I want the quality of this to still be high. I don't want it just to be some garbage thing I filmed and I just threw up, right? Online. Right. I want it to be something that, feels quality. And so for me, it's going to be, um, about recording myself working, uh, and, uh, talking while I work and trying to explain things almost in the way that I would in person in a workshop or, you know, if I was at an atelier teaching so that it's much more sort of off the top of my head, but Mm -hmm. it's also, uh, very much in the moment and targeted, uh, to specific concepts and techniques I'm using. And, and I've previewed the video for some people and, you know, the feedback I've gotten so far in a limited range, people, who probably know that I hate negative feedback and they just lied to me. I don't know if that's possible, but they seem to say that it was uh, different and different in kind of a good way because it felt much more direct. And um, when you're talking as yeah. you work, you have the opportunity to talk about things that would never make it into a script, you know, right. right. Like you do little things all the time with your pencil or your brush or make little choices in the moment that if you were going to zoom out and write a script and have an outline for, you know, more polished content, Exactly. You would never bring up these little sort of, you know, things, but yeah. in, in the moment, you're much more willing to talk about those things. Right. And that could be helpful for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have put out a lot of content, but yeah, I think this is a great idea because like you were just saying, it allows you to cover things in the moment that would, uh, that wouldn't have made a final cut in a video probably. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, exactly. I think and, that's and... the stuff that people. I think that stuff's really attractive to people because it's the, 
it's really you sitting there and working and not um i mean obviously all the other stuff is is incredibly valuable but yeah i think this is the kind of stuff that people sort of hunger for and that really gives them a glimpse glimpse into well yeah here's all here's all these high level concepts that you explain really well and that everyone needs to know when they're working but yeah, what happens in the studio when you're like, oh crap, I go, right. you know, the head's a little bit big or whatever. Um, how do you deal with things as they happen in the moment as you're working? I think that thing is really, is really interesting. Yeah, I, I think I think it has real potential, and it's it's always been a matter too of a. Uh, so there's so many things kind of swimming around my head over the years when I think about making content and, you know, something that always stood out to me early on. I mean, I was in my early twenties when I met um, Doug Flint, who, you know, I think most people know and um, good friend of both of ours and also um, been on your show. Right. Uh, But uh, Doug, he, he said to me um, when I first met him and I met him before I met Jacob Collins and really did my formal studies. I met him when he was 20 or something. And uh, he was said that, um, and I, and at that point I was coming from that point of view of it's like, I want to learn technique. I want artists to tell me all the sort of steps to the process. Like mm-hmm. how do you glaze, you know, sure. like what brushes do you use? All those questions. Right? right. Cause I felt like if I knew all those questions then you could suddenly do it. And Doug said, I don't care so much what an artist does. I care about what they're thinking about, mm. meaning what concepts are they using? Right? right. So a person might say paint a sphere to look round or three dimensional. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, one person might be really preoccupied with the direction of their brush strokes, right. Mm -hmm. What kind of brush they're using. Mm -hmm. Right. And Doug would be interested in like, how are they interpreting that? How are, what are they thinking about? Are they thinking about the light, what direction it's coming from certain effects and so forth. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so that really had a big impression on me early on that it's really about the sort of conceptual tools that you're using to interpret what you're seeing. And so that really became my focus for just so long to, cause that, that was what, you know, uh, showed, um, uh, the, mo- I mean, that's what made me grow so much as an artist, um, early on was that as soon as I started thinking in those terms and became familiar with those concepts, it was just, the growth was tremendous. I know you experienced the same thing. It's like you spin wheels for a while and then someone tells you some concepts about light and form. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, like, like I can do it. Um, yeah. And so that, that has really been uh, the, the um, goal for me for so long. Um, but now with the, you know, I have, a, I have so much of that content out now. I have so right. many things like that um, out. And I've become more interested in that sort of moment by moment sort of decision making. And it was kind of interesting because um, I, made, I made a new, I'm not plugging this. Uh, so I hope Go you ahead, don't feel plug, like I'm using, no, 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 no. Um, But my last video that I made, um, called painting in oil on scottwoodelfineart.com. Um, it's, um, it's, uh, that video is, um, different than some of my other ones because I actually have a main section of it where I, uh, try to cut as little as humanly possible. So I take certain sections mm. of the painting, like painting the eye or the nose uh-huh. and, you know, with the exception of a few little cuts, like maybe messy moments where like, I don't know, I bumped the painting or something sure. happened where, you know, there was no reason for that to be in frame, um, I, I edit almost no brush strokes out of the, uh, this section of the video mm-hmm. so that people can literally see point A to point B, how you paint, um, a series of forms. 
And I had some uh, artists I work with in my online classes who saw the videos and they were telling me one in particular was just saying how that was totally transformative because from my other videos where they kind of time lapse and of course all the videos I make on Instagram where they're sped up, you know, right. um, totally gave a false impression mm. of what, it, what, what the process was like. And so I was like, ah, oh, you know, I want to make more of that. Yeah. But then at the same time, I have this huge aversion to making gigantically long videos, right? Well, like, that, yeah, that's the I, thing is how, how I, long, well, and how long are people's attention spans? How long are they going to watch? Well, exactly. You? It's like you can't watch yeah. it for that long. Yeah. I can't. I don't know. Maybe other people are more zen about it. But if I watch something for more than a few minutes, I'm, I almost go out of my mind. <laughs> and I certainly am not gleaning information from it. Like when I see these art videos that are like 15 hours long, I'm like, right. how am I going to look at that and really like sustain my attention long enough to kind of put together a cohesive understanding of what in the world they did. Yeah. And so I feel like um, there has to, so that, that's kind of feeding into my choice here with Patreon, which, yeah. you know, two things on the business end, I'm like, okay, well, memberships are a great model, right? Right. Memberships are, uh, um, you know, uh, certainly the direction, you know, most people are moving um, across the board and uh, it makes a lot of sense. And it's a platform that allows for that. And I like, I like that aspect mm -hmm. quite a bit and I, and it's something I want to explore. But the other side of it too is, is that I can kind of make these long videos in a way that doesn't feel long. And what I mean by that is this is sort of my plan and I've kind of recorded a bunch of content that'll kind of drop all at once when I launch it. I mean, I'm looking at like 10 hours, like, Oh, of cool. content when I initially launch it. And then I'm going to have myself on a plan mm -hmm. um, to uh, continually update weekly. And uh, what I like the idea of is having like um, different series going. So one thing I'm really into is copying Boogeroos right now. Yeah. And I've noticed that there are a number of people who reach out and say they really would love to see that content. My, I mean, my Boogero copies are just a horrible shadow of what the real Boogero looks like, but it's me, a mere mortal trying to copy his paintings. And sure. it, they're, in some way can gain help uh, others gain access into um, what's going on in those paintings. And so, um, and it's also, you know, something I want to do and I think could be, could be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so for example, like, let's say I'm, there's a series, you know, kind of a thread going on in Patreon where I'm copying a Bugaro and I'm not going to edit it. So you're going to see every stroke and some of them I might, you know, wire up and, you know, mic myself and narrate and others might just have some music on. Cool. Um, you know, because I'm not going to be able to record audio on every single one, especially with my kids home from school for the indefinite future right. um, and, right. uh, and uh, a lot of chaos in the background of the house. Um, but nevertheless, I'm thinking like I'll just do like hour long installments each week on these various things. Oh, cool. So what I like about that, too, from a, a business point of view is that, you know, you have these things that might want to keep people engaged. Like you, let's say you're in your fourth week of the membership, you know, on, on a month. And it's like, um, okay, well, here's a good stopping point. I finished painting this eye next week. We're going to do, I'm going to jump into the cheek, you know, and then you have that on the Bugaro that you post on Friday or whatever, but on another day you're doing another figure block in. Cause I, I've been recording a lot of like 40 minute drawing exercises for people to follow along with. Oh, cool. Um, and, uh, and, and I like the idea of having these sort of annual series that just sort of go on every week. And it, that encourages, you know, people to sort of stay engaged. Um, but it also gives you these sort of, even though you're seeing every stroke or every mark of the pencil, mm -hmm. it's broken down weekly right? so that it's not like you just get this 15 hour video dumped on your head. Yeah. Yeah. It gives people probably time never going to watch. And I think it probably gives people time to process uh, what they just saw too. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I agree. Of, yeah. So they can, they can 
they can think about those things that you talked about for a week until they see the next thing. So is right. it going to be, so it's uh, like the Bugaro thing, for example, is that going to be like mm-hmm. start, start to finish weekly one hour installment on the road to this, this copied Bugaro? Uh, what do you mean? Like, um, so like, so the sure. first hour is you maybe, you know, working on the drawing, right? Right, 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 right. And, and maybe let's say you get halfway done. So next week it's continuing the drawing for another hour. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just picking up. So each installment is just picking up where the last one left off. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, cool. maybe with exceptions, sure. you know, sure. Maybe with exceptions, I don't. I don't know, but that—that's the kind of the premise is that there's just these ongoing series, and then you finish one, and then you start another one, and maybe it'll be you know something different this time. And, it'll and be, you have like you know two or three, four, however many different threads. Yeah, running, exactly. So, okay. Right, like, and and some of them might just be like one installment. Like I have the whole block in one because I really want to. I you know I uh, don't do a whole lot of. I love drawing so much, and I love blocking in, and I love techniques yeah. involved in accurate drawing, but. You know, they're not as, um, they, they don't show up on my Instagram very often, right. for example, because, you know, they don't get as many views. They're not as more uh, universally interesting, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't post that kind of thing. But I think that, you know, kind of where I'm headed lately content wise is just sort of narrowing in on the core audience, the people that are really wanting to do this stuff right. more than trying to make it. Oh, that's a good idea. I mean, that's, I think that's a good point, just business wise. Is that something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just really identifying because Instagram is so vast, and you've got yeah, it's huge, and it's you don't know how many of of those people are actually are there for the the magic show of watching Scott paint in you know super sped up, or they're real serious people who want to learn from you. So, so with the, it sounds like with the Patreon, you're trying to really zone in on those people that are really interested in learning from you. Is that would you say that's true? Yeah, that's that's definitely true, and I, I think that it's um, you know, and we talked about this. You and I actually talked about this maybe last week, where um, it's you know, and I've been, you know, so many of us have. I mean, I, you know, we both can think of so many people that have built these followings on Instagram mm-hmm. over time, and you know, I've been in the. Uh, I've been very deceived by it uh, and found it very confusing. Well, so you start, first of all, you know, uh, it's sort of a slow burn now and uh, it still continues to grow, but there was a period of time where I went through this sort of um, crazy growth with it. Right. And um, I hope this is interesting. I think anyone who's trying to build an Instagram audience. So yeah, that's one thing that I wanted to talk to you about today was, was, um, your 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 main points. Uh, what would you tell someone are, are the most important things about building building the following? So, yeah, if you can. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, I'd I'd love to share any of that. Although I feel like I'm a little cynical on it. Um, not yeah. cynical, um, but more sober about it. I think, and I think that's good because I had periods where, um, like I say, I was just sort of confused because um, you get sort of, and you know, your ego plays a major role in this, where. You, I went through this period, I don't know when it was, maybe two years ago, when I was getting crazy um, viral videos, right? Like, I mean, I had one that, like, more than I ever dreamed of, right? This might be a, I don't, there may be some people who don't think of this as that substantial, but there was one video that had uh, 4 million views. Wow. And 
for me, I was just like, what in the actual hell? (laughs) I don't even understand how that's happening. And I couldn't recreate it, Mm. you know? Mm. Um, So there was was nothing that you could point to to say, ah, that's why that. No, I mean, I liked the painting, but, you know, I thought the painting looked fine and and it looked cool in that video, but it didn't look markedly different than 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 one before or after it which may have gotten like 50,000 or 60,000 views which yeah. is still a lot like i mean it's still like unbelievable when i think about that but not 4 million i was like right. i don't know how that happened but there was also just there were there were a number of ones that would just sort of stand out in that way during that period where i think they were sort of novel i wasn't as widely known but here's the interesting thing yeah so I've been selling online videos, you know, and online classes for 10 years now. Well, online classes for six and videos for over 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have a lot of data, right? I have a lot of information. And yeah. um, well, how do and, you, let me, sorry, let me jump in real quick. Cause I think that's interesting. How, how do you, well, I guess it's fairly easy. You can just track sales, but I was going to ask you how, mm-hmm. how, how are there other ways that you're, that you're tracking data other than number of Instagram users and, and sales? No, I mean, there's Google analytics. Um, so you can okay. look at that for your website and then there's um, all my um, commerce stuff, like everything that's done through my merchant tools. So I can see exact in PayPal and everything else. Like I can right. get very clear measurements on, um, all of that. You have your analytics on YouTube, which I don't use YouTube anymore, really, other than just kind of posting a trailer. But I want to use more of that, actually. That's uh, also something I, I plan on sort of folding into this uh, move to Patreon. Yeah. Um, is putting some amount of content on YouTube to kind of um, cross reference uh, Patreon content and things like that. But we'll see. I don't know. There's only, you know, you know how it is. There's only so yeah. many hours in the right. day or week. Um, <laughs> and uh, you only get done a small percentage of what you plan on. But that is an idea I have. And YouTube has, you know, really nice analytics because you can see when somebody stops watching the video, like they mm. stop watching at the three minute mark mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Uh, and I think, and I've just actually for my Patreon, I've been uploading a lot of content to Vimeo and I think Vimeo will have similar analytics. So I'll be able to see like people, you know, engagement drops off after X number of minutes. Um, and so that could be really interesting. So there's so much information and data and I'll be honest, I don't, I don't intensively study it because it's so overwhelming and I don't mm. know that I, I'm just not, you know, what do I know? <laughs> like I can't do anything with this information. I feel like if someone came into my, my business, you know, that had a head for that stuff, they would be like, Oh, all right. And like, they'd be able to like sort of look through it all and figure out good, good business plans accordingly. Whereas I'm just like, ah, I don't know. But one yeah. thing I do, one th- thing I do know um, is that viral videos did not, change sales hmm. that much okay wow not that much i mean you know a little bit but not in any way in proportion to it it's not like let's say for example yeah you have a video that like just to make round numbers let's say you have a video that has ten thousand views and you get 10 sales out of it okay. right it's not like you get like you know uh you know uh what like a hundred sales out of a million views or a thousand you know it's not like it, the math doesn't I can't do math in my head like yeah. that, but you get what <laughs> I'm saying. It's not it scaling proportionally, up proportionally. Yeah. It's not scaling, right? Yeah. At all. Like it would be That's more bizarre. like. Yeah. Well, here's my theory on that. It reminds me. I think at some point my my, as you said, the like magic show of having a like a little video. It's, it's yeah. exactly that. It's it's it becomes a cat video at that point. <laughs> um, it's it's all it becomes is a cat video traded around on the internet yeah, with no one who has right. any interest remotely in painting, right. let alone buying a painting tutorial. And so, 
but what happens is, is that you turn into an egomaniac, uh, maniacal monster, <laughs> right? Like it was funny because, um, I was, this really was a, it was kind of reminds me of a scene from, uh, the movie Pollock with Ed Harris, right? Oh yeah. Um, where like everybody's over at his house after he becomes famous and like everybody's just trying to hang out and all he's doing is reading articles about himself to everybody. <laughs> right. So like, I remember I was with a bunch of my friends, you know, not artists, like just, you know, couple friends, couples friends that were, we hang out with, you know, sure. at some point. And we were all, I don't even know how this happened, but we were all kind of making fun of each other and like kind of, I would impersonate one of the other friends there and be like, Oh, Hey, blah, blah, blah. And then somebody made fun of me, like an impersonated me. And they're like, Hey, I'm Scott. Know how many followers I have on Instagram? <laughs> and like, I was like, Oh, I'm <laughs> awful. Like, hey, I am gross. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> bad. So I was like, oh, that's funny. so yeah, but you know, Think about that though. Like you yeah. get like 4 million views. Like that's, that's yeah. hard not to like, it's hard not to think you're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> when that happens. Like it really is. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, um, but deep down, you know, like you're, you're horrible at painting and there's so many people that paint better than you, but then you're getting all this attention online and then you're just at war with yourself because you just, you just can't reconcile the two. Well, and, and so and it gets also, to become, yeah, sorry. It, it's, it, and, and then, and then you start to make decisions uh, that yeah. aren't necessarily good for your business and don't right. maybe appeal to the people that are actually supporting what you do. Right. Uh, and you start trying to think of like, Oh, can I make another viral? Yeah. Exactly. Can I make another viral video? And it never works when you try to do it. Right. Like it never ever works when you try to do it. Well, and also the, the, so, the, uh, the huge letdown, Right, that comes from okay, because I've I've had that experience, not 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 even in the same whatever universe as, as the numbers you're talking about, but let's say there's a you know a post that feels feels pretty successful, and you're like, all right, I'm I'm sort of I'm at this level now, and so you, mm -hmm. then you put out the next one, and it's like a fraction of what the of that yeah yeah before it got. And then it's like it's so crushing. It's like, what? I yeah. thought I thought I was moving somewhere, and then you just got slapped back down yeah. to whatever. Right. <laughs> it, 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 it's a bad feeling, and and there's no reason for that bad feeling. Cause yeah, it, because it means it, right, nothing. It's all fake, right? I mean, it's all what? Well, it's all like fake, that. and it's all so opaque. I mean, right now, like I, I don't know if others would agree with this, but if you even remote, and I don't like to go down this rabbit hole because it means I'm trying. And I'm really in this sort of mode right now where I'm trying to convince myself I don't care. Um, <laughs> but if you start to look into Instagram's algorithms mm. and shadow banning and, you know, whether or not what percentage of your audience is actually seeing your post and so yeah. forth. Yeah. Like it's, it, there's no real clear information. It seems like no one knows. It's like so weird. And it's like if you use the same, if you use the same tag hashtags, like you could get shadow banned and all this oh, stuff really? and like, yeah, and then I remember like words like I, listen. I shouldn't say this because I can't really. I'm paraphrasing and probably getting it wrong, but I remember Instagram like saying releasing something about like how to if you're worried about you know traction with your audience, like things to keep in mind. And it's like you know they're like don't overpost. You should only be posting once a day. I was like once a day. Like what? I can't. And it's like and but then they're like you know it makes sure it's quality content. It's like, what if what you do doesn't lend itself to that? Like, right. what if you're, you know, one of us where it takes you 40 hours to make a painting? Right. <laughs> or like, you know, it's like, I'm not gonna be able to like, churn out 
content in that way. And also you could probably follow all their advice and absolutely nothing happened because at the end of the day, the reason why you might not be getting more views is that people just didn't find that post interesting for whatever reason. Yeah. And the other thing too, is that this is to be expected is that people get really used to your content. Like look at Instagram now compared to say four years ago and the amount of painting you see on it now and amount of really good painting you see. Oh, it's yeah. like, I, I, I think like a, a clip of painting doesn't stand out like it used to because it's just so saturated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think trying to pursue that is, is, isn't good. And it's also um, like, it's just for mental health. Like I feel like it's, it's just caused a lot of anxiety for me and made me sort of follow things that I don't really value, I guess. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, it's still something that, you know, I value enough to sustain it. I'm not going to let it, well, it's you know, valuable. Away. I mean, it's, right. For, for all of its, for all of its, uh, negative points, it still does have value and it's, it's, it's been pretty integral to you building a business, right? It is, but you know, I, I always have this thing and whether it's right or wrong, but mm. I have, a, I, I feel like I always have this sense of, um, when you need to sort of pivot and take what you've built and leverage that towards the new thing. Ooh, that's a great, and, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's like I had it when I taught at GCA and, um, maybe halfway through my tenure there, I was just like, okay, like, I'm not saying it's tomorrow, but this is going to, this, this situation is going to change. Yeah. Um, you know, for those who don't know, I, I lived uh, three hours away from this school in New York city where I would commute to. So I knew it wasn't sustainable for that yeah. reason alone. Right. And I, I left on perfectly good terms. Like it was, it was all, um, uh, on, on great terms that I left and still stay in contact with everyone there. But I knew that ultimately three hour commute each way with two little kids wasn't going to work. But I also knew that, you know, that was like three, four years out. So I was like, how can I take this, what I'm doing here, which you get a lot of credibility when you teach at a place that's as prestigious and has the reputation as that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to be using these next several years to turn this, which is good right. into something else that I can sustain otherwise. And for me, it's like now I'm kind of in the same place with Instagram where I'm like, I built that. Yeah. And let me see what I can do to take that and use that to help grow these other things. And so I, I my plan isn't to jettison it. It's to help, it's to move in a different direction that I find more interesting right now, but use it as a way to kind of fertilize the new thing. Right. So how, so do you envision it becoming more and more of uh, just kind of pointing everybody over to the new content as opposed to just putting more, uh, does that, you know what I'm saying? Um Instead of putting continuing to do what you're doing with Instagram, will it be more like, hey, come check out this thing I'm doing over here? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a mix. So I think I'm still yeah. going to do the videos. Like, I think it might be like, let's say I post four times a month, right? Which is kind of my schedule uh-huh. once a week, right? Um, I'm going to do, I'll probably have like one or two of those will be kind of similar to what I'm doing, whether it's a speed video or just like, a, hey, here's a little video of what I'm doing. Right. Because um, I wanted to still have the same flavor. I mean, there are a lot of people that have followed me that, you know, sort of that's the content they want to see. And I like, it still is, it's still stuff I'm doing, right? None of it's like stuff I'm, it's all derived from paintings I'm doing anyway. Right. Um, It's just, it's the delivery of it. You know, the like fast little cute kind of one minute speed video, right? Right. All tied up in a little, with a little bow. 
that's a that the it's the post production that sets it apart, but the painting itself is being done anyway. Right. Um, right. But I think that um, I'm going to probably have more of it be like, hey, here, um, you know, if you want to check out this video on uh, Patreon, um, I just posted that. And also, I and and another thing is that I, I I've been really into just making um, posting more free content. Hmm. Um, and so I might be using uh, Instagram to kind of engage in that way. Uh, and in fact, I mean, just today, I know it doesn't time out with the release of your podcast here, but um, I just swapped out my free video from last week with a new free video. And then so some weeks it'll be free videos from Patreon. So I think Instagram will be a, also a portal for me to just like update and say, hey, check cool. this out. It's live. Yeah. You so, know, where, so where are you posting that free that free content right now that on your website just on the, i'm just doing it on i'm doing it on the homepage of my website there's a media player there now and uh, oh, cool. it'll probably swap out weekly some weeks i might just put like one of the videos from patreon up there just to sort of and it you know honestly like i'm not trying to parade around like some altruistic person um but i legitimately like obviously i want you know i want to try to sustain you know, my business and have, you know, people engaged in customers, like clearly I, you know, cause I've been building this for so long and it's my right. business and, and I want to continue to be able to do it and make content, but I really legitimately feel for like all these people. Who, I mean, listen, I, I own my own business. I mean, this is going to be impacted right. by the situation with the coronavirus. My wife's uh, employer uh, closed. She's yeah. considered essential. So she still has some work, but um, half of half of her uh, fellow workers are out of work along with however many other people. And I was just thinking there are so many people home right now that are would maybe like to do something, but are in really bad uh, situation financially. And so yeah. honestly, yeah. like I can't give away my whole library because that would be giving away all my livelihood. And I have to be as careful as everyone else about money in this time. But I was thinking if I could just make, if there's a video that like legitimately has some meat to it, that yeah. you don't buy any of my content but you have that and it changes every week. So at least there's this video that you could follow along and do something in the week and not have to buy any of my content. That would be, that would be great. If that would make me incredibly happy if there's uh, you know, an audience doing that. And then also it could be because as another personal aside, you know, with this, the impact of this, I've had a number of students right. in my online classes that directly lost their jobs yeah. and, and their circumstances changed. So I just know so many people right now that the last thing in, on their mind right now is being able to buy content. Right. And I'll tell you too, that's one of the, even though I'm still charging money for the Patreon, it's an opportunity to have content, regular content at a much lower cost. And, you know, yeah. uh, obviously I have to still keep my lights on. Um, so I have to charge something, but I'm thinking like 10, 12 bucks a month and you're going to just get like tons of new content um, every month. Nice. And so for me, it's kind of like, I've already tried to stay well away from having art videos that are over a hundred dollars. I've right. never, I've never wanted to do that. That's, yeah, that's something I think that's that was one very thing clear that's, to me. That's pretty awesome about what you do is the affordability and the high, high level, high quality of, of what you produce and the, um, thank you, the affordability and, and just the ease, just the fact that people can just, it's just a, a click away. It's just a, a download on your computer. So, um, and I think you deserve a lot of credit for, for that. Oh, thanks. <clears throat> for sure. Well, I, and I've said this, I may have said this last time we talked, cause it's one of my kind of <laughs> talking points. Um, but it is something I say often is that, you know, the, my, the whole model for me making any content was, I always just think back of there's like the, the Scott before he went to New York, mm, yeah. had no money. Right. And, had no access to anything. I mean, we're talking about like, you know, 2000, 
2001, 2002. And, you know, you certainly, we didn't have any of these materials online or anything. You, you know how it was. Yeah. And so I just try to think like, what would I, what, what, what would I have wanted to see and what would I have been able to afford? Yeah. And I've tried to do it that way. So, um, you know, hopefully, but the, the thing too, is that, you know, I think that when you have something lower cost like that, that, uh, people subscribe to, you know, you're going to maintain customers over a long period of time. And I think you're going to be able to, you, you could potentially make more money if you're looking at it from that angle, mm-hmm. because it's not something that people, any individual paying for it can, can sustain that and can potentially sustain that membership if they find it valuable. Whereas, you know, one thing that I've learned recently too, and I, you know, I, I get it. Like anyone who's had to stop taking online classes because of the current circumstances. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like I, I would yeah. drop an art class in a second in, under these circumstances. I would not pay $400 a month for something. I wouldn't be able to, it wouldn't be smart. Right. And so I think that, you know, when you, when you have a structure around things that are higher cost, um, more damage is done when there's a downturn. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if you have lower cost things, it's um, can, can, um, can be a little bit smarter. And in fact, that's what I learned with painting. I mean, I, we've probably talked about this. I know you and I have talked about this many times that when I entered into the painting world as a professional painter and in galleries, that was like 2006, seven and eight. Yeah. And then it just right. like just collapsed in 2008. It was like, yeah. you're not going to sell an expensive painting. And, yeah. um, you know, I think this is worse, but we're facing something similar now. Right. Right. Do you worry about offering like a $10 monthly Patreon, um, subscription do you worry about that affecting your higher cost things like the like the um the the online mentorship that you do Mm -hmm. well no i don't i mean i don't know i could be totally wrong but um i don't i don't really think so because um the online teaching is so much different right um it's one-on-one and i put a lot of work into you'd have to talk to, you know, some of the artists that have studied with me to see yeah. what their feeling is about the value um, of this. But from my point of view, just knowing how much interest I take in critiquing people's work, like mm-hmm. I put so much time into really trying to understand what they're doing, what their sort of deficiencies might be process wise or conceptually and trying as much as I can to kind of uh, help them get better and in a way that they can continue well after working together. So it's so personalized. Right. It's so one-on-one and, um, and uh, that's very different than say me just sort of drawing and kind of talking off the top of my head in a sort of um, less personal way. Um, right. And so right. I think that, I think there's a difference there, but also eventually I mean, kind of want to fold my teaching into that portal uh, so that people um, have options to sign up for certain tiers within Patreon and they can study with me. But you know, you see a lot of people doing it. I mean, we have a lot of examples of people who went that way rather than the way I've gone over the last 10 years. So, um, you know, there's tons of artists right now that you and I both know that are doing that kind of thing successfully already. So Mm -hmm. I kind of have, I feel a little bit like with the videos and everything I've done in the last 10 years, like I kind of felt like, um, uh, I kind of had to figure that out on my own. I didn't have a template to follow. Whereas with Patreon, it's like, here's like 20 people I know of that are doing this that I can kind of borrow from like idea wise, um, which is helpful. Um, But uh, I think there's a lot of potential (laughs) there. Um, So we'll see. I don't know. Cool. Cool. 
Yeah, no, I I think it's really exciting, and I think it's a I think it's a great move for you. I think people are going to really enjoy that, and and I've seen people react to you in workshop settings or in uh, demo settings, um, getting to see your personality as you work, and I think I think people really uh, will really Thanks. dig that. Um, one thing I have to ask you about, we're probably going to wrap up here pretty mm -hmm. soon, but one thing I'm I'm really interested in, and um, we've talked about it a little bit, not today, but you've put out some, uh, you've teased some things on Instagram that are paintings you're working on for a book that you're writing and illustrating. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to be, I wanted to ask you if you'd be willing to tell us more about that whole project and how that... Um, I guess how how it gives you uh, an outlet for something that's a little more personal. Um, so are, are you willing to talk to us about that project you're working on? Yeah, yeah, thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, it's kind of funny because um, we've talked about it over the years, but I wasn't even uh, sure that you had seen that post where I'd kind of done a little bit of a tease yeah, online yeah. about it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's um, and I wasn't even going to do it. I, I mentioned this in that post where I was kind of, I was, I think I wanted to just sort of keep it really personal because uh, I was pretty self-conscious about it. Um, and uh, I guess I just didn't want to get um, any kind of response from it, but people are so nice to me and they are really nice to me. I'll for all my complaining about negative comments. I get a, uh, I, I, I don't deserve the sort of positivity I get from people on Instagram. It's just such a um, generally very kind platform and people are really kind about that content. Oh, and um, seemed excited. So I, I felt very inspired by that and, and made me feel like I was kind of on to something mm -hmm. um, with the whole idea. But for me, it's um, something I've always wanted to do. Like, um, you, know, you, you know, you and I are really good friends. Um, I don't know if your audience knows that, but um, we talk all the time anyway. Uh, and uh, you, you know that uh, I, my interests aren't sort of narrowly focused on the kind of, um, yeah. artwork that I'm typically known for. I love that. It's a big part of me, but I have a lot of different interests. And um, the thing that it's, it's as much as I love 19th century painting, you know, uh, I, the things that I kind of love the most or the things that I get so inspired and in, in, into are uh, the world building that comes from certain, uh, certain creators over yeah. time. And um, a great example would be, and this kind of ranges from um, say Tolkien. I mean, Tolkien is a great example of that, the world that he built. Yeah. Um, it's just, I, I, I get lost in that and the Silmarillion and things like that. I, I just find, um, endlessly interesting. Um, and, and Tolkien, you know, illustrated, uh, his books as well. I mean, he wasn't, you know, a sophisticated artist, but there's something to those drawings. There's something mm -hmm. to them. Um, and I love that sort of comprehensive vision that was both artistic and, you know, vi visually artistic and also obviously in the writing. And, but I even love like one of my biggest <laughs> inspirations is, um, Calvin and Hobbes. Like I just love <laughs> yeah. the world building there of Calvin and, and Hobbes yeah. and, and, and the artwork and everything about that's just so tremendous. And so the people I've always found most inspiring, the things that are just most attracted to are these, um, these creators of content like that. Uh, James Gurney is another great example. It's just like unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Like, and yeah. he's, he's, he's almost a better example in terms of, you know, something that, you know, I would aspire to personally because his paintings are amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, and then the world of Dinotopia, the, the um, world building there is just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And um, I just get really, really excited about it. Like when I daydream, I don't daydream about 
um, painters from history. Not that I don't love that stuff. I do. Um, and it's been a big part of my life pursuing that kind of thing. But when I daydream, when I fantasize about what I want to be and what I want to do, it's that, it's that other sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I've always been frustrated by painting. Um, how so? In that regard, because I've never been able to figure out how to do narrative painting in a way that satisfied that. Yeah. Um, it, it just never, like, I could never do it. Like, there's something about, there's something about contemporary realism that seems to prohibit it in some weird way. Like, and mm. that's, I'm as much to blame. I'm not blaming it uh, collectively or all the artists. I'm, I feel like I'm sort of in that mode too, where it's like, how do you really do like a genuine, authentic narrative right. in the way that they did in history? Right. Like where it's like, I'm really just going to literally paint the scene from history or from a story or from fiction just seems like, I don't know. It's always got to be, it's always got to get, has to have some kind of contemporary spin on it hmm. or, and, and, and then figurative work in the contemporary scene. I just feel like it's so hard to, I don't know. Like I I'm stuck in the same way. It's so hard to visualize what that should be. Like so much of it veers off into like allegory, like really intense allegory, which isn't attractive to me for whatever reason. Yeah. I like sort of earnest storytelling. Like right. this, th- this is what's happening and it's clear. Like I just, I like that better. Right. Um, and also like, it seems like a lot of figurative work. Have you ever noticed like everyone all, like all figurative paintings now, and I'm not being critical. Like some of these paintings I absolutely love. I really do. Even though it sounds like I'm teasing <laughs> Like every figurative painting now is just like, like every person is like surrounded by stuff. <laughs> like they're like swarmed in like fabric around their head or like there's like <laughs> leaves all around their head yeah. or something. Right. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> just like an intense amount of like stuff, like just stuffed around their heads. Um, and I don't know, like I just, I, I couldn't find sort of where I could make things that satisfied my narrative itch in a genuine way. And I tried to do that with whaling. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't really feel like I, I some of those, I, I, I still, I guess I kind of like them, I guess. Yeah. But awesome. um, it, it still just didn't, I don't know. It was like one sort of scene. And, and I realized this is what I realized the missing component is that I want to write. Like, I don't want it just to be the painting. I uh, want to have a book that goes okay. along with that. Yeah. And and uh, I also want to explore with my, you know, I, I come from illustration, not professionally, but I mean, cartooning and illustrating my whole life. And I was like, yeah. I kind of want to have the um, constraints off, right? Like I want right. to be able to like, like outline and use line, or I want to be able to yeah. create areas that are flatter. Like I want to be able to do different things. Sure. And I feel like you can more, um, you can more explicitly explore that in that format because it's kind of okay. Whereas uh, I don't know the criteria of painting like classically is, is just sort of different, I guess. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We've all sort of uh, taken on these constraints and I guess, I don't know for better or worse. I, I mean, do you think it's just, do you think part of that is holding yourself to a certain standard? Like, like, I don't know. That's that's how it occurs to me, I guess, just off the top of my head is is because anytime I don't know if this is the same thing, but but I've definitely like gone through different phases where I'm like, oh, I love that look. You know, it's a little it's looser than what Mm -hmm. I do or whatever. Or it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's got a heavier outline or something. Well, Travis Schlatt does that all the time. Right. It's got 
Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah, he does, yeah. Well, he, he does both of those exception. things, right? They're, <laughs> they're really mm-hmm. kind of yeah, yeah, brushy and, and loose. Loose in a specific way, though, not like a a bravura or something, whatever that is. Um, uh, not an impressionistic thing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it in that category. But no, it reminds me of uh, what's his. Um... Oh, there's a. I can't think of his name. Um, 1920s artist that used that line a lot like that. But anyway, I can't think of it, so it's uh, not useful. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, you know, I'll tell myself, oh, I want to, you know, try that thing out, and then I, and then I sort of try it out, and it, it always feels to me like when I do it, it's, it's just not the normal thing that I do is a higher quality, and so it feels like I'm. Uh, this is a great example of, of what I was being critiqued for in this moment right now. Yeah, this is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to leave a review. <laughs> Would that end our friendship? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. If he... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I, I know I'm what you mean, though. I, I know completely what you mean. Um, where I, uh, I have all, you know, and I think that's part of, I mean, this comes out of uh, this Instagram culture, just, only in that we see so much other amazing artwork all the time mm-hmm. at a rate that I don't think we can actually handle. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, that's, that's one of those confusing elements of the, that platform is that, you know, you're going to see an amazing thing that is different than what you do. And then you're lured into thinking that what you've been doing is the wrong thing and you ought to be doing this other thing. Yes. And yes. so much of it is just inauthentic to yourself. Right. Um, like when you try to do it, like you say, it just it doesn't, it's, it reeks. Like people know that's not you. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I think that, you know, cause I'll see like people like Will St. John and, and I'll, you know, who, who you and I both know, and I'll see his work and I'll see like some of these beautiful, uh, gorgeous impostas and incredibly inspiring paintings. And then I'll yeah. think I'm going to do that. And then when right. I do it, it looks like just a pile of ground beef. And <laughs> so I think like, well, you know what though? Like, so you're not him and you're not these other people that you admire. Yeah. But you're doing your thing, and right. and it's just sort of I don't know. It's it's a weird balance because on the other hand, it's good to be inspired, and it's good to sort of you know navigate yeah. cautiously towards things that are sort of interesting and authentic to you. But to suddenly you know be overwhelmed by the anxiety of seeing other great artwork and trying to reinvent yourself suddenly overnight in that in that uh, form is almost yeah. always a mistake. That's, and I've done that so many times. I have too. It's it's nuts. Yeah, it, it's a ludicrous thing to 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 even consider when you really think about it. Like, oh, I'm gonna just throw away, well, maybe not throw away, but <laughs> I'm gonna take all of this this thing that I've sort of built up and become like proficient at, and now I'm gonna do go do something else. This is, um, right. Yeah. Uh, but but I think we've gotten a little bit off track from 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 talking about what you're doing, your new this more personal project. Oh but... yeah. Yeah. Well, did you, I don't know if like you had interest in like what it was specifically, or I, I could give you a loose sketch of, um, well, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us, yeah, no, I'd love that. I'd love to, to, to hear. So just here's, the... yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't know if I explicitly even said it. Basically I'm writing a, a book, a story, a fiction story. Um, I realized after my awesome. post, it almost sounded maybe potentially more like I was doing an instructional book or something like that on, on painting. Oh, cause I think huh. people might expect, uh, that right. kind of uh, content for me. Right. Um, which by the way, I don't think I'll ever write a book on art instruction. Um, yeah. because, uh, Todd Casey has that locked up. 
his book's amazing, right? I so I, uh, I, I can't touch that. I, I'm the video guy. I don't think I could put, uh, I, I don't think I could do anything near the quality of, you know, what he's made and what other artists have made um, in that regard. But um, this well, that's book, a great what example, I, mind, I think, of, of, of saying, okay, like, because we could see something like that and go, oh, I should write a book. You should be right. writing a book, right? Because right. look oh, at Todd, it's amazing. I should do that, right? What am I doing? Like, I should be writing right. a book. Yeah. You're right. Right. Leave that to the guy who does no, that. No, no, it's well. true. And you know what? <laughs> it, but that's what everybody does with podcasting, right? Like, literally well, everyone. Yeah, definitely. Every yeah, every human being thinks they should have a podcast from Shaq <laughs> to Mike Tyson, <laughs> both of whom have a podcast. I saw Mike Tyson, his podcast or oh, whatever right. it is on YouTube. He's going to, I shouldn't talk bad about Mike Tyson publicly. Um, but well, he, yeah, yeah he was interviewing. He's one, my, he's one of my biggest fans for this podcast. So oh, is, yeah, he's um, he's probably the one that gave you that review because he wants <laughs> was, to help you I'm get like, better. Yeah, that was Tyson. Yeah. Well, that's a, well. The thing you can take comfort in knowing is that you know, no matter how bad an episode might be, it's better than any one of Mike Tyson's <laughs> best. Okay. Podcast. I'll take that. So you have that, yeah. Cool. Anyway, uh, yeah, the book, um, the book is a fiction book, and Mike concept is that it's sort of a young adult book, um, sort of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of like, um, I don't know what the right, uh, terminology would be, but it's sort of like a soft fantasy or sort of a, it's, uh, it's not like, uh, soft it doesn't have like magic. Okay. I don't really know. <laughs> it doesn't have a, a there's actual naughty. words for this stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> this, this, yeah. Right. This is going to be on a uh, Cinemax, not the Playboy <laughs> channel. No, this is, uh, yeah. this is going to be, um, it means it means uh, in my mind at any rate it means that it's not going to have just magic flying around and dragons it's more discreet okay. um like if you think of like lord of the rings right yeah um the other word is like when you like think of like um magic the gathering of like world of warcraft and things like that where it's like just druids and mages and everybody shooting fireballs and things like that um that that's i guess considered high fantasy Okay. And I'm thinking much more like it's, you know, there isn't a whole lot of magic. If it's seen, it's very special and sort of discreet, almost like the force in Star Wars uh, episode four, where it's like, you know, a lot of people don't even really believe it exists and are skeptical about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there aren't like dragons or anything like that, but there are elements of the world that are fantastic. It's not our world. Um, it's, it's set in, you know, an unknown sort of fantastic uh, place. Um, but it's for young adults. And part of that's, you know, me having kids and just like, I absolutely love being in that headspace and sort of them seeing the world through their eyes and, yeah. you know, they're 10 and eight now and they're getting older. So they're getting into that content and obviously like all kids and cool. they love Harry Potter. And so how many times we've been through Harry Potter with them. Yeah. And in fact, I would say a good reference point would be uh, the uh, new illustrated Harry Potter books, mm. um, which are, I don't know the dimension, but they're sort of coffee table size, you know, like the size of maybe like Todd's book or something like a okay. book that has art in it. Yeah. And it's the whole book. It's the nice. whole text, you know, so all 350 pages more for the longer books, but thinking of uh, the first Harry Potter book. And, um, and then, you know, I don't know, every five to 10 pages has like a really cool, awesome painting in it. And uh, what's cool about those Harry Potter ones, by the way, is that they're not illustrated under the influence of the movies. Not, I mean, the movies are great. They're, they're, they are the movies, but this illustrator um, went about, illustrating the books as though the movies never existed. So he completely reinvented what the world looked like according oh, to his own cool. take on the text. Nice. And so I really love that. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's my concept is to have, you know, and it's kind of like um, much like 19th century painting influences my, um, 
artwork, uh, artistic choices, you know, I'm just so steeped in 19th century um, literature. Mm. And I, listen, I, I don't have the, uh, I don't have the confidence to think that anything I'm writing is good by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm definitely um, uh, really um, limiting my intake to 19th century literature oh, to okay. sort of cool. absorb as much as I can. And uh, you know, the, the uh, writers that really stand out, it's kind of funny because I was, uh, I, I was reading brothers Karamazov uh-huh. um, for the first time recently. Cause it's always been one of those that I felt like I should really read, you know? Right. And we talked about it and, uh, and I was also writing at that period. Uh-huh. Um, that was that the book went off the rails um, during that period of time, got way too dark and philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I definitely had a, uh, I had to put some uh, Mark Twain back in my diet. Oh, nice. that and uh <laughs> and so like robert louis stevenson and uh mark twain and yeah. and, uh, and authors like that are really kind of the uh, uh dickens those are really the things i'm sort of aspiring to i mean obviously i'll never even remotely approach a fraction of their genius clearly i'm not like so stupid to think that i can suddenly out of nowhere paint write a book that would be in the league of those authors but in terms of the style yeah um that's what i'm aspiring to which i think hopefully will fit into kind of the artistic choices I'm making. And uh, I'm also trying to keep them like playful, like very like kind of fun and light and full of energy. Although they do get kind of dark and people do die in the book. So Ooh. it gets, uh, it gets, it gets real by the uh, end. But uh, awesome. in the beginning, like I just love the energy of Mark Twain. Like I just can't stop yeah. smiling when I read Mark Twain. Yeah. And you know, some of that's just that genius. I can't touch. I mean, I don't even know what a lot of that is, but I feel like if I just like, drink it daily like some of it will absorb into me <laughs> like i just feel yes. like yeah that's really what i want to have um sort of come out and it's really funny like because it's unbelievably different than books written now like it's so stark it's as stark as painting you know yeah um you know the difference between and for, for better or for worse everyone right. has their preference but right when you read a book now versus a book from then it's just like it's it to me it's just as staggering as looking as, at a painting from then compared to a painting now yeah, you see it even with like, even with storybooks for little little kids. Because you know my daughter's five, so we we go through a lot of that stuff, and I'm like trying to rediscover some of the more classic children's books. Um, God, so much of the children's books that are out today are just terrible. Like, there's no thought put into what I've noticed a lot about reading these books to to her is like the 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 flow like the flow of mm-hmm. the words and the sentence structure and and um wow there are some really awful ones out there and maybe that comes from reading aloud that you notice that thing more mm. um right but that's one thing that's really struck me is that there's a vast difference in the quality of writing just just in the way that like the sentences follow one another and the right. word choice and something that never would have occurred to me. I never, you know, just not being a writer, obviously, but um, that the difference between, and I see it in, in, and I'm sure there's great, there are great contemporary writers, of course, but, but oh I yeah, do, of, co- I see, of course there are exceptions. Just like, it, it, just like there are exceptions to painting. It's like, yeah. if you know, like 
there are plenty of painters now, by the way, I should say, and I, I don't want to interrupt you at all, but I just want to clarify. Yeah. Obviously, there are exceptions with writing and painting. If I look at like a Jeremy Lipking, I'm like, that looks awesome. And yeah. I've seen some from him where I'm like, I don't even really know where it comes from. Will, his paintings, some other people, like like some some of this artwork I see now, I'm like, I, I wouldn't necessarily know the difference between that and 19th century work. There are exceptions, but by yeah. and large, I totally agree. And I think it applies to both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. But these classics, you know, um, what was one that I read the other day? Mike Mulligan and the steam, steam engine, I think. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. That like, what is that from? Is that like the fifties or I think so. I'm not going to uh -huh. be, I'm not going to be able to nail it down, but, um, but I read that. I know exactly the book. Though. Yeah. We got that. We just ordered that. And I read that for the first time to her the other night. And it's a, I mean, it's a longer book. It's got a lot of words, but the flow of it is so good. It's so cool that it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like you're, it doesn't feel like this slog of a book. There's a rhythm to it. And, uh, um, that maybe that's the word. It's just the rhythm. There's a rhythm to good. Yeah, writing. no. And it, it's the prose. It's the language. It's so, you know, it, it really can, um, vary greatly. It's why, like when you like read Tolkien, for example, his structure might not be perfect. Like the Lord of the Rings, like, you know, I'm not the first one. I mean, it's, you know, there's a, a lot of people that have always questioned the liter literary structure to those books and wondering if they were the best choice. But, um, but the prose is just beautiful. Like the yeah. language you just get so sort of in involved in. And, um, and I think, I think that uh, that's missing in a lot of things. I mean, I'm kind of relating to your experience here, going through those years of reading books mm -hmm. to my kids, both the classics and contemporary books. And again, as you say, there are examples by contemporary writers that are, are amazing. And I don't, know the person's name so this is kind of a silly reference but there was actually a young adult book that i bought recently it was like one of these um prize-winning um uh, works of fiction uh -huh. and i read this thing and i was like this is unbelievably beautiful huh. and so i still i still um come across those all the time and it's but but you you're absolutely right there's so many of those that just like don't make sense and i always think i remember always thinking of that um scene you remember the movie elf you know buddy the elf uh, I don't know if you remember that movie with yeah. uh, Will Ferrell's uh, Elf. Oh. Well, anyway, the, <laughs> right. uh, James Conn's in it, and he plays uh, his dad, right? But he's a uh, book publisher. They publish children's books, like children's uh, picture books, right? Uh -huh. And they somehow misprinted, if I remember correctly, they misprinted this book, right? It was just going to be released for the Christmas holiday, like their new big like you know, seller at like Barnes & Noble, right? It was this yeah. new children's picture book. But they misprinted and left off the end page or the last page of the story. Uh-huh. And his point of view is like, it doesn't matter. It's all just incomprehensible anyway. So no one's even <laughs> going to know that like it doesn't have the yeah. final page. And it's so true. Like I always think about that with these books, they just sort of end. And I'm like, did they just misprint and not print the last page? That's how yeah. like <laughs> inane and stupid this is. Yeah. One, this is, um, one thing that's really annoying to me about kids' books are the ones that are written almost entirely in um, like quotes, like, the story is given almost entirely, and they're, they're like in like speech bubbles. What do you mean, like quotes, like famous quotes? Or like, no, 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 no. Sorry, there's a, the there's a wrong wrong word. But no, like like it's just the characters talking to each other with speech bubbles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how are you? Supposed oh, to is read it like this? the one? Like, is it the one with? Uh, I actually like these, so I don't. I like I. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of it. It's like the one where the pig and the elephant are friends. Uh, I, I haven't read that one. You know that one? There's, I've come across others, and they're I actually so like annoying. Those. Pretty I don't thing know. Annoying that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't They're super annoying to me. I'm like, what? so I'm just supposed to read this conversation between these two characters, this whole book? I don't know. 
Yeah, no, I know. It's well, and I actually like uh, this guy because um, I really loved him on the uh, on the Office. But B.J. Novak, the uh, actor and writer from the Office. Oh yeah. Um, played Ryan the Temp, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, I think I think he's brilliant. Like you know, he wrote so many of the uh, episodes of the Office, and I think he's just amazing. And the book, I get it, but he wrote that children's book with no words. I mean, with no uh, pictures, rather. Oh. And he's like, this children's book has no pictures or whatever. I can't oh, yeah, remember, yeah, but yeah. it was all about the word. Oh, yeah, I think and I like, that. I get it. And it's cute. And like, I'm all for it. We own it. So <laughs> like, I paid money for this thing and, and it's fun. And my kids loved it legitimately. Like they oh, like cool. loved it because it makes you say words like flarp and stuff. Right. So right, it right. worked. Like I'm on board, but as an artist, <laughs> I'm not yeah. really excited about a picture yeah. book without pictures. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. There's something about that that bothers me. But uh, it, yeah, but that's a whole other conversation that reminded me of things that you and I've talked about lately about uh, things out there in certain industries that emerge that are really punishing for artists. <laughs> and uh, we've talked about, this is taking a sharp left turn, so we don't need to go down there, but we've <laughs> talked about like, we've, we've both seen advertisements online for that company where you can hire an artist to paint oh, your favorite photo. God. And uh, I can't remember the name of the company, but, you know, uh, it's some paint, company where you paint your life or something. Paint my life. Paint, paint my, my life, life. Paint your life. Paint my life. Or yeah. Paint and your like, life. You, oh. I wonder if there's any, if anybody listening knows anyone that I would love it if like they could reach out to you or like we could get some information. I'd love, I'd love to hear from an artist that works for them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know like who these people are, but for those of you not familiar, the advertisements, correct me if I'm wrong, but the advertisements are something like, um, for, I think it's like what, like a couple hundred bucks. Like it's not even a lot of money, right? Yeah, and I looked at the website, and and like the most you would pay for for a large painting, like a twenty four or thirty six or something, the most you would pay is like five hundred eighty dollars or something. Right? Okay, so right, yeah. so five hundred dollar painting, and at the high end, at the high end, right? Yeah, that's a and, retail, um, right? And, <laughs> yeah. What's that? Yeah, and like a re that's right. the retail price, right? Exactly. So who knows what the artist is making, right? Yeah. Right. So let's say this artist is like, let's just, you know, there's got to be a lot of these projects are done to where the artist makes like 250, right? Let's say. If even. And, and yeah. then, and then they, but the thing is, is that like the, one of the things they sort of tote or advertise is that, you know, you get to stay in constant contact with this, with this artist, <laughs> yes, right? So you get yeah. to be giving them continual <laughs> yep. feedback. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and oh. okay, fair enough. They're paying money for that. But, uh, <laughs> and then, and then there's no guarantee. You don't right. have to accept yeah, you, it. Yeah. So, they could have spent like 20 hours, 30 hours on this thing. Yep. And then you're, you've been like bugging them the whole time, you know, make <laughs> the hair um, darker right. or whatever it is. Right? right. And then, and then in the end you're like, mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't want it. Yeah. Like, like who are the artists doing this? And listen, I want to be wrong and it's all voluntary transactions. Nobody is forcing these artists to do it. So it's none of my business, but as an artist, I can't understand it. It's uh Yeah. I, I don't either, and uh, I'm, it hurts me that... Uh, it, it does hurt. It hurts me that certain certain famous people who we both like are pushing this. Uh. Right, right. <laughs> I know, it's hard, but, you know, but then again, it's like, think of all the other industries that you don't know about that, you know, that's the thing I always think about right. is I don't know anything yeah, about anything sure. else. And yeah. so I could be like, yeah, like, I mean, for all I know, like, for example, people like in the medical field and I'm like, I, I sort of say, well, I always do this or I go see like my walk-in for these things. I don't even know. I can't think of a yeah. good example, but there, that there must be a countless missteps I make 
in relationship to in industries and worlds I don't know anything about. So I don't, sure. I don't fault the people that advertise it. And I don't even fault the company. I mean, like I said, it's voluntary transactions, but it's just, to me, it's like, that's such a terrible deal. I mean, well, just the one part of it is that the fact that the person can say no in the end is <laughs> there's got to be some protective measure against that, right? Or like a de- non-refundable well, deposit maybe, or maybe, something. I guess it all comes down to how are the artists being paid? And maybe they're just being paid hourly or something. And maybe That's true. That's true. Know, and I don't know that. Maybe That's a good point. Maybe it doesn't matter to them. Right. And the company eats the cost of like, right. hey, you know what? Well, we have like 30, only 30% of the people end up not wanting it. And so yeah. we'll eat that cost and they get paid $15 an hour. And the artist is like, well, I could use the 15 bucks an hour. Sure. Maybe you're right. And maybe, and that's why I would love to hear. I wonder if, if, if there's any chance anyone listening will know someone or is someone who does it. Cause that, I'd love yeah, to get information. Amazing. Please email. Yeah. Me. Cause I need a backup plan basically. So I need to know <laughs> if this is viable. So <laughs> when this Patreon well, it's, idea it's collapses like, on it's me. It's exactly like uh, the gallery world though. Right. So the gallery world is beneficial to everyone in that transaction, or, or I'll say this, everyone benefits more than the artist. Right, right. Right, the customer, the, the collector, um, <clears throat> the collector benefits, the gallery owner benefits way more than the artist in, the, in, in every single one of those transactions. Uh, it, I mean, it seems that way to me. I always feel like I, I um, make the mistake of undervaluing what other people, you know, bring to the table, you know, and the risk that they're taking on. Yeah, I, um, I guess I guess I'm thinking of certain situations where it's like um, where. I mean, you can look at like frame, like if you if you're dealing with a gallery where they don't subtract the frame cost before taking the split. Right. If if and the gallery's profiting off on on the frame that you you bought. Right. And you bought a six hundred dollar frame or more. Yeah, there's a bunch like of little, little that that right there, right. like little things like that, right? Exactly. Right. right. And or, or, um, or cases where the um, the collector is able to basically put it on layaway, right? So the gallery's getting yeah. money, mm-hmm. but they're not paying you anything until the till the till the painting right. is completely paid off. Um, so it's like, oh, it's very convenient for the collector. It's convenient for the gallery. Really inconvenient for the artist. Yeah. Well, what's so hard about my so I feel like my gallery um, opinions are pretty outdated just because I've um, moved so far away from it for so long now that I don't feel like I have um, current feelings uh, yeah. or current uh, experiences. So I don't know how much they hold up anymore. Um, and so uh, they're probably not that valuable. But I mean, for me, too, I mean, the experience I had that I probably told a million times is that, you know, there was a period of time where I got locked into a contract. Yeah. And what was so challenging about that is that, you know, it was a five-year contract. It was pretty punishing. It was wow. very, um, it's why it, it, you know, it's worth knowing because it's why I have such negativity towards galleries because yeah. I was very young when I signed it and I felt very, um, I felt pressured into it. I felt like the relationship was going to essentially be over unless I signed this thing. Yeah. And what is very challenging about that kind of contract, um, though I don't know how relevant this is because I don't hear too many people being as gullible uh, as I was at that point. So um, fortunately, this isn't doesn't seem to be happening a lot to a lot of people. Mm. But um, for me, it was just like at some point being like, okay, well, I I'm one of 50 artists in this gallery. Yeah. Right. They're yeah. not. I mean, sure. Do they want to sell some of my paintings? Yeah, of course. But th- them paying, you know rent on the on the real on, on the uh on the uh gallery yeah. space is not contingent upon them selling my work they've got 50 other artists they could sell work right. from whereas 
I couldn't sell artwork anywhere else according to the contract. And so my entire livelihood was dependent on <laughs> selling work. So I became, and I think I talked about this in the last podcast. Um, so I hope, I hope I'm not repeating too much material, but I remember becoming just this person I didn't like anymore. I was incredibly desperate. Yeah. Um, and just so, so desperately relying on them. Yeah. And ever since then, I've just been like, I've just been like, whatever, man, screw galleries. Even though I don't really feel that way, there have to be so many that are great, like clearly. Yeah. But I, I, I just, that really, 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 really soured me on yeah. that contract alone. That contract experience and being pressured into that was one of the most um, frustrating experiences. I'm, I, and, and it really is what pushed me into going into this whole other world. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I could make gallery work that would be successful in any way, though. I, I also think even if I try so hard, so hard, Go I just on. don't think it's me. It's just not in me. Like, yeah. it's not I, right. I, it's not who I am. Like, I, I, I think I'm much more likely to produce like a bunch of paintings for a book and write a book than I would be able to put together a show because it's just I know artists who are great at it. Like they yeah. put together shows and they're amazing. Yeah. Like it all holds together. You and I both know so many yeah. people like that. And it's like you look at that and I'm like, I can't do it because that's just not where my heart is like i'm not gonna be able to pull that out yeah and i so i don't know yeah this isn't me what'd you say i said it just isn't me it just doesn't feel yeah. like me it's not the person i am well i mean that that's um, uh, and that's the thing we all have to figure out i think that's so important um to realize mm-hmm. that and, and i think that's where a lot of the pain if people are going through pain in this in this uh career choice i think that's where a lot of it stems from is is thinking that this career is supposed to look like something in particular and, right and mm-hmm. you you try to do that thing and it's just not working and probably the answer is that exactly what you're talking about it's just not you you need to we yeah. we all need to find our own way in this world and there's so many there's so many ways to do it and i think i think that's what's what's been pretty inspiring about you and unique about you is that you recognize that super early on and you went in the direction um of you know putting out your own content putting out your own videos and things like that um and now now you're sitting in this position where you've been doing it for 10 years and it's like you know i think i think you've just done yourself a huge service by being able to recognize that thing early on and going in a direction that it suited you. So, um, you know, congratulations. We, I think it's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Of course, yeah. you know, and you know, but I, I appreciate that, um, take on it, but you know, it's kind of funny talking about it this way. Uh, I think sort of points out that, you know, that experience with the gallery is, yeah, you know, it's frustrating as it was, is a big reason why I did move in the direction I moved. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's always, you know, for anyone, you know, I know it's kind of, Sort of, I don't know. I don't know if it sort of qualifies as, as advice or not. But um, you know, if you're going through those kind of frustrating things, you know, like it, it really can give way to something else. Um, and so I don't know. But it is. But as you say, you know, you, there are so many different kind of versions of this. And you yeah. know, two things happen to be true. Like one is I love painting. Mm-hmm. And two is I don't like selling paintings. <laughs> um, and that's fine. Like that can actually be compatible even though it's counterintuitive oh totally Um, totally and i think i think if you you know if you were out there saying that you know 12 15 years ago it would be like everyone would just look at you like 
Well, right, exactly, right. What are you talking about? Like you, right. <laughs> well, ten years ago, what you did was you, you know, studied, and then you got in a gallery, and then yeah. you did workshops. Yeah. Right. And that was the whole thing. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting, but I don't know. And, and what do you? What do you? Do you mind me turning the uh, questions around on you? Like, what do you? I know you and I uh, talk all the time, so I have a good sense of this. But um, you've talked about potentially maybe going into something like a Patreon or doing other things with the podcast or even with teaching. Have you given thought to that too? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, I want to take the podcast into that world. I'm still thinking, figuring out the particulars of, of, of that, but yeah, I definitely want to. Well, how that looks. Yeah. It's hard to figure out how that looks. Take, it's a different kind of the thing. Pod, well, and, and also sort of rededicate myself to the podcast. I think right. I, I, um, I, some, I, you know, some stuff happened and I had to kind of um, re uh, reorganize my life in, into a little bit different mm -hmm. directions. Um, basically financial stuff where I had to kind of just go and basically spend my time just making money <laughs> in, no, in, I get it. in yeah. ways that I, you know, um, it just, it just came to a point where I had to just go make some money. And so that sort of took, took time away from well, those the things fall and... by the wayside i've had the same exact thing uh with yeah. the, the book here that i've been working on like i was um just uh working on it every day and, and like working on the paintings a lot and doing all these things with the book and then you know all of this has recently happened with the uh um you know shutdown of everything and the coronavirus mm -hmm. situation here and um i'm just sort of like you know even though it hasn't become an immediate crisis for me it's just like you know i think we all kind of see the days ahead and the, you know, year ahead and maybe years ahead and think, well, listen, we need to work on whatever we can now to sort of hedge against this risk. And so uh, I, you know, I haven't worked on the book in like two or three weeks and uh, yeah. it makes me sad, but it's like, you gotta, you know, life, life rears its head and you gotta take care of what you have to take care of. Yeah. And the thing that I've had to sort of, um, or, or I guess one thing that's, that's made me feel better about the whole thing, um, Without getting into it, I just, I've, I haven't, I spent a long time just, I mean, my life switched way into teaching, earning money, um, mm -hmm. that way, just, just really the focus of, of my time switched into making money from teaching versus spending a lot of time painting, doing the podcast and, and, you know, trying to sell those paintings that, that really took a back seat. Right. Um, but the thing, the thing that sort of like made me not lose my, made me not sort of want to jump off a bridge about it was, well, first of all, I like teaching, so it's not like I'm yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> to, right. went to go do these things that I uh, wasn't digging ditches or anything. But, um, but the thing that sort of has has kind of sustained me mentally is just the the idea that it's like you know you just go through different stuff in your life and it's not forever mm -hmm. and right. and it didn't mean the fact that um the fact that my painting practice the time i got to do that dwindled you know quite a bit it didn't mean that i'm not an artist it didn't mean that i'm not a, a, a painter it doesn't mean that i'm not still the same person and that that and then at some point that's yeah yeah oh that whole thing's gonna gonna switch back or but, but also it's made me think about it's made me question the way 
I think where I got into a lot of trouble is that I was in that mindset where I was like, this thing, this life, this career has to look a certain way. Yeah, I know what you mean by, by that exactly. I think we all got that. I think it's pretty common. Um, I don't know how widespread it is, but amongst yeah. the people that you and I know that we, you know, our, our immediate sort of colleagues and peers, I mean, I think we all sort of left our studies mm-hmm. kind of feeling that way. Mm-hmm. That there was a certain model that you were supposed to sort of fit into. Right. And uh, it takes a long time to sort of sort of untie those those sort of knots in your mind, I think. I think it's... Oh, uh, oh definitely. It's deep in there. I mean, it was deep in there. And, and I... And I wasn't letting go of it. And so I was in a situation mm-hmm. where I was acting like I was that, had that career. Right. Or, I mean, I guess I did. It just wasn't, I wasn't making money doing it. I mean, making mm-hmm. a little bit, right? But I was acting like, right. I was trying to live my life as if I was, and I wasn't. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, so I, I, I know exactly what head, you mean. Right? Um, but there's there's something that's sort of exciting about if you could once you sort of once once you sort of shake yourself out of being in that frame of mind there is something mm-hmm. exciting about thinking realizing that you're still an artist and but you're going to have to do it in a different way or right. um i know i'm being a little bit crypt, cryptic about that but 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 i just mean that like okay i don't i don't get to spend 8 hours a day painting like i just don't and i don't no. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um and so it's just going to have to be done in a different way, but but there is something that's exciting about that challenge to me and I I know that you get that too. And but then you've been successful in doing it in different ways, so I think that um I don't know. You, you've 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 actually you've been an inspiration to me in that regard oh just, to just Come sort on. of see that like um, like it doesn't you can have this career and it not fit into that box that we all thought um, that it was going right. To. Well, I, well, thank you. I mean, I, that's insane for me to think that I would uh, serve as any sort of inspiration in that regard at all, since I mostly feel like a, my day to day is kind of a mess. But I. Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that um, it, it's good. It, I think it's good for anyone to know that it doesn't have to look like that, that, you know, um, just going to your point about, you know, yeah, yeah you're not, you're not necessarily going to paint eight hours a day. I mean, there are days that I paint that long, but my cumulative painting throughout the week doesn't add up to 40, 50 hours. It doesn't, it doesn't at all. Yeah. I mean, there's no way it can, there's no way I could sustain it that way. You know, I don't have a, you know, we pay our bills based on me making my business work. There's, I don't have cash anywhere else under a mattress yeah, or anything. It's like, right. I got to make this work. I'm like, right. I got two kids and we have a mortgage and we got to make it work. And so at the end of the day, that that's what I have to do. But here's the thing that I always sort of take comfort in is that, uh, is that, um, I've been a professional artist. I'm 38 mm-hmm. and, um, I've been a professional, I guess, since, um, I guess you could say I was a professional start, starting around 26 years old. Mm-hmm. That's like 12 years, right? Yeah. But I've been drawing since I was three, yeah, <laughs> like painting right. since I was right. like whatever age. So like yeah. whatever the math there is, like 22 years of my life, I've been doing this without the stamp of being a professional. Like 
it's who yeah. I am no matter what right. I do. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. so, you know, I, I don't, and, and also so much, I'm not accusing anyone of this at all. Like this is a lot of like our own doing because of our perception when we're 22, 23 studying, mm-hmm. right? It's our, it's our take on it all. Like, so it turns out like a lot of that stuff isn't what somebody told you. It was what you thought it ought to be. Right. Um, and, and so, so I'm not saying that anyone put these ideas in my head, but there was this version of me back then that thought the life as an artist was going to be me doing nothing but painting and selling these paintings. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but that started when I was in my, when I was like 22, like I had my whole life before that, where it was just the pure pleasure of art and making art Mm -hmm. and making movies for that matter and doing theater and just creating. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like at some point, like I just sort of realized, I don't know, somewhere in my early to mid thirties. I was just kind of like, I could just sort of professionally just stop doing this altogether. Like I could just go do something else. I don't care. Like I have so much energy. Like <laughs> I will still paint like as much like yeah. at night or on the weekends or whatever. Right. Like I know I will. Right. Um, and so it's like, none of this has to like be what I do professionally for me to like, I, I'm going to still make as much art and make more. And there's been parts of me that are kind of like, wouldn't it be, I just want to go do something else actually. And then like art can just be like the thing I'm passionate about again. Yeah. Um, and in some ways that's what the book is for me. It's like, here's the yeah. thing. I, listen, as far as the book goes, just to be clear to anyone listening, I don't have a publisher. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like this is never going to see the light of day. Like nothing's going to happen with this. Yeah. Like, I mean, I like to think that deep down that something will. And, I, I think I, uh, I think something will, but yeah. But my point is, is it's yeah. not like I just want to be clear. Like when I talk about publishing a book and or writing a book, <laughs> it, it may give the false impression that You're it's like. You're not working with an advance right no, now. No, there's no advance. Like no one cares. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I've read parts to my wife and she's like, I don't like it. So that's where I stand on that. No, she actually does. But, um, uh, but uh but so, yeah, I, I, I'm doing that and it's something I'm just so deeply passionate about and I'm not going into it from this point of view of like, it's going to sell all these copies because I know it won't. <laughs> it's like something I just love. And so I kind of feel like, and, I, and you know what, there's so much about sort of the psychology that shifts there where you're kind of like, okay, like I'll do whatever like life throws at me to make money, to make, be able to provide for my family. Um, and art will always be there. Like art won't go away. Right. That's just intrinsically who I am. And then also now, like, I think I just started taking comfort in that where it was like, I could go get a job in a totally different industry and I'll still be an artist because that's who I am. Yeah. And so I think, yeah. I think there's comfort in that. Yeah, for sure. God, there's something sort of, uh, freeing about that thought too. Yeah. Like, and, and, and there are plenty of people that have a different view and you just got to let them knock in your head. Cause there are plenty of people that, think an artist ought to be a certain kind of thing. And you and I both been had, had to face those views before, but what do they know? They're not you. They don't live your life. They don't well, have the responsibilities or things you have. So what do they know? I, I mean, exactly. This whole thing comes down to just like, um, uh, I don't know. I kind I think, I think of it as, as just the path everyone has to take is, you know, being, um, really, uh, can't think of it. Uh, I can't say it without it sounding cheesy. You were going to get a good review on this, but now you wrecked it. I know. I just killed it. No, I just <laughs> <laughs> train wreck. I'm just gonna go. Is that all right? Can train I? Wreck. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> kidding. Uh, no, it's just it's it's sort of the path that everyone has to 
go down with themselves being yeah, being right. comfortable with yourself re- realizing um who you are and I'm sorry. The cheesy thing that just keeps coming to mind is being true say to it. yourself. Being true to yourself. Uh, so I always say, um, there's a, uh, you know, Wanda Sykes, the comedian. Yeah. So she had that special. I don't know if it was like a Netflix special or HBO from, I don't know, five, six years ago. Uh-huh. And it's um, Wanda Sykes. I'm a be me. Oh yeah. And I always say that. That's honestly like my mantra is <laughs> it's a version of that, right? It's I'm a be me. That's I'm what I tell me. myself all the time. Yeah. I'm a be me. Oh my gosh, Scott! I've got an idea for. Um, a, can you please, for all your Patreon subscribers, send them make a T-shirt that has like your face on it and it says "I'ma be me." Yeah, I think uh, I, I, you know, uh, the. Do you watch The Office? Yeah. So you know the um, Michael Scott. Uh, he has the titles of his comedy special and his book he's going to write. Do you remember those? <laughs> Some of them. Yeah. I think about them all the time. They're so good. So his comedy special is going to be is going to be called "There I Go Again," <laughs> which I think is just so good. That beats out "I'm gonna be me." And then, um, and then his uh, his book was going to be called "Somehow I Manage" with a picture of him shrugging on the front. <laughs> so good. It's fun. Like honestly, I could spend all day fantasizing about hypothetical book titles. Right. I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna be me. Hey man, that's what it comes. But down it's honestly to. the best advice. It is. But it is. It is. I'm gonna be me. All right, Scott. Let's <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap it up here. All right. Um, cool, Danny. Thanks. We're at home. I think I said this on the uh, my last interview too with. Uh, Todd, but um, everybody's at home now, and I'm sure my wife is super annoyed with how long I've been doing this, uh, recording this podcast now, and my daughter's out there driving her nuts. <laughs> um, so, uh, man, thanks. It's been awesome. Yeah, likewise, Danny. I loved it. It was great. I hope we can do it more, actually. That'd be fun. I don't know if you can tolerate it, but anytime you want me back, I think we I got should. Nothing else going you on. know, I've mentioned to you before my thought about having a recurring segment with you called Hanging with Scott. Let's see. You might want to just hold. Don't don't um, get me all excited about that until you see the reviews. You might not. You might not want to do that after after. No, this I comes do. Out. I do. I really want to do. All right. Well, you know I'm down. So sounds good. Awesome. All right. Take care, man. All right. See you, Dan. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to the great Scott Waddell for taking the time for the podcast. It is always a pleasure to talk with him. Go ahead and sign up for his Patreon. It's live now, patreon.com slash Scott Waddell. And I would love it if you would leave a review for this podcast on iTunes and give it a rating of five and three quarter stars if you're feeling generous. Well, all right. Thanks, everybody. I will see you back here in two weeks. Take care. Bye. It's over. You don't need to tell me. I hope you with someone who makes you feel safe in your sleep. Pink tonight. I won't kill myself trying to stay in your life. I got no distance left. When you see me, please turn your back on
walk away I don't want to see you Cause I know the dreams that you keep Is where we meet When you're coming down Think of me I got no distance left